right, good morning. My name is Simon. We've not met. Um, I am very excited for what is about to happen next this morning. We have something very different planned. Normally, this would be the time we transition into reading a portion of scripture, and then myself or someone else would preach. Um, we're going to do something like that this morning, but a little different. But before we get to that, I have a bonus announcement. You guys want more announcements? Yeah. The best, right? <laughs> okay, what... Um, yeah, what, one bonus announcement. We, you may have heard us announce this a couple times in the last month or so, but we were invited to be a part of a short-term mission trip um, to serve one of, um, so we're a part of a family of churches called Every Nation. Surely just reference that. Um, there's an Every Nation church in London, England, um, that's trying to get a campus ministry sort of revived, um, and it just so happens, Shirley and I met in London. We spent about nine, ten years there, part of the church there, part of the campus ministry there. So we have like a personal connection, some, some relationships um, with the people there. Anyways, we were invited to be a part of a short-term mission trip to London in March. And the stipulation was like, hey, just get a few people from your church, come along, and, and that, that's all there is to it. Some things changed. I got a phone call last week saying, hey... Um, Simon, how, how, what, how would you feel if Grace City Portland, like, led the trip? Maybe you could assemble a team of, like, nine or ten people, and, and you, guys, you guys lead the charge. So I said, well, um, maybe, maybe. Um, it depends. Let me talk to my people. So I'm putting it out there, guys. Personally, I would love to do this. Like, the, these are people that I, I, I love and I know and, and I'm eager to serve and we have a vision to reach students on the campus. Now, if you look around, you're like, well, where are the students? It's our vision. It's our heart. It's our hope that we, we can be the kind of church that really, yeah, is a home for students who are wanting to learn more about Jesus, grow in their relationship with Jesus. Um, so we, we have a heart for campus ministry. Um, and I thought, man, what a cool opportunity to sow into someone other someone else's vision for campus ministry in London, of all places. So there's the opportunity. Um, if this is going to happen, guys, we, we need some people to, to be a part of this. Like, we need a crew. I'm going to go. I'm going to lead the way. I, I know that Casey Crane is also down. I've talked to a couple of others of you who seem kind of interested, but now I'm, I'm upping the ante. Guys, if you want to make this happen, um, you got to let me know. Reach out to me, grab me, email me, or Casey. And um, yeah, if we can get a little crew together, then we're going to go to London in March. All right? You guys into that? Getting some nods? Okay. We'll see what happens. Announcements over. Um, we just finished our teaching series through the entire book of John last week. Um, if you're a visitor or brand new, uh, we just spent the last year and a half slowly working through the gospel according to John. We've subtitled our series, Walking with Jesus, because walking is slow. And this was a long, slow process, working through John together. As we were approaching the end of this journey, a few of us started talking about what could we do to maximize sort of the completion of long walk with Jesus the book of John, we had this idea, what if we get a panel together and do a bit of a review 
of the book. Instead of just me or one other person monologuing about it, sort of in summary, let's get a few people on stage, share some diverse perspectives, and actually unpack it and review it and, and talk highlights. So that's what we're doing this morning. So without any further ado, can I invite my panel to join me on stage now? Let's give them a hand. Coming in. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. There it is. I told our tech team this morning that this morning was all about hype. I was joking, but I like it. Coming in hot. Just like the fajita. I write what I live. All right. My life in the speaker. Here we are. Okay, we're going to do a quick round of introductions after everyone gets comfy. Um, yeah, most of these faces you, you probably recognize or maybe not, um, but you're about to get to know them all. Um, let's do your name and maybe something interesting or mundane about yourself. Um, I'll start. Once again, my name is Simon, and I thought about this all week. Here's my interesting factoid. I'm in love with this woman. <laughs> Shirley, if you can't see her off camera, that's my wife. There you go. Top that. All right. My name is Adam, and I will do piles of dishes to avoid folding laundry. Uh, my name is Casey. Um, I guess one thing about me is that I am currently creating a comic about my dog and her cat. <laughs> I was unaware. My name is Hannah, and I have a cat. She's great. Uh, I honestly forgot we were oh, doing this. Think so about it. I, <laughs> not the panel. I remembered that. Yeah. Uh, my name is Ben. My interesting fact: um, I have two passports. For two different countries, I'm basically Jason Bourne. Nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my son also has two passports. Did you know that? It's your son, Jason Bourne? Hmm. We'll come back to that. Okay, <clears throat> thank you, guys. So here's our panel. You guys excited for this? Okay, here we go. Um, so I have some questions, and uh, the first one's going to be a bit of a warm-up. It's, it's for all of us um, on the panel, and here it is. The subtitle, I mentioned this a second ago, the subtitle of our sermon series is Walking with Jesus. The disciples spent a lot of time literally walking with Jesus all over the Judean countryside. Here's the question. What does walking with Jesus look like for you personally, practically, at this stage in your life? Shall we just go down the line? Let's go for it, Adam. Okay, um, so I've got two little kids, a one-year-old and a three-year-old, and a crappy house that we're fixing. And so then the key thing for me has been giving what I, can, what I have. And so the time that I have is what I have to give and not be upset about the time I don't have. And that's what been walking with God recently. Good case. Sorry, I just realized that, and I had to go next. Um, I think for me right now, it is like reorienting myself towards him, like every morning. Can you uh, give us a practical sort of, what, what does that mean? I mean, sometimes it's reading the Bible, sometimes it's praying, sometimes it's walking my dog and 
doing multiple of those things. Just spending time with him. Cool. Um, for me, I think this year especially, I think it's been just praying in those ordinary moments, um, the times where it's just super mundane and, and I'm in the car, I'm at my computer working or whatever, and just checking in with God. Um, and it doesn't have to be like this whole moment. It's just like communing with my father. That's good. That's similar to what I was going to say. Uh, just inviting Jesus into the, um, out, breaking Jesus out of the spiritual box that I put him in, into the everyday of my life. And along with that, giving myself um, unconditional permission to enter the presence of God, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, however I'm doing, has been really valuable. Amen. Very cool. And for me, um, so there's obviously we could talk all morning just about this, but if I had to reduce it to some very practical things, one, reading the Bible every morning, that's, that's kind of been like a staple part of my walk with Jesus since the beginning, and um, I always come back to it, just reading the Bible, usually before the sun comes up every morning. Um, this, my church family, um, is crucial to my walk with Jesus, like just being connected with, with my friends, different degrees of intimacy, but really my, my local church is a huge part of that for me. And then the third thing I would say is, um, and this is a, a new one, but Dave Rains and I have been going out on the campus at PSU every Monday afternoon, handing out free meals, praying for students, talking to students, just, just engaging. And Jesus is like super in that. that. That's just like breathed new life into my relationship with him over this past, yeah, few months or so. Uh, okay, we warmed up. That feel good? Next question. Um, what was your favorite or most impactful moment in John? So I think in like the year plus, all of the teachings, all of the verses in John, what has been your most impactful or favorite moment in John and why? I'm going to give this one to you, Hannah. Great. Um, well, I picked this, like, Side note, this is kind of planned, so I picked this question. Um, Wait, you're <laughs> ruining the facade. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I just had to preface that because I was like, oh, there's so many epic moments in John. Like, this is going to be easy to pick. Um, and the beautiful thing about John is it really, when you read it, it, everything just stands out on its own. You don't really, like, you can just let it speak for itself. Um, but like as I was kind of rereading it, you see that there's a pattern. And for every moment that Jesus does what he's supposed to do, um, performs miracles, um, teaches, preaches, lifts people up, there's like multiple voices um, of unbelief. Um, it's almost like it's so reliable how that pattern goes on. It's it's a story about um, in the retelling of Jesus's resurrection, but it's as much that as like overcoming unbelief. Um, 
And when I reorient my like mind's framework in reading that, I see like it's almost comforting because I see all these degrees of unbelief and like I think we've all been there. I think we know people who are in those the same boats um, in like today's day and we see that reflected in John. So I just kind of picked a few little moments that um, kind of stuck out to me. So in the, like way back in the beginning, John Forbes, uh, Simon, you preached a sermon and you titled it Unbelief. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna like listen to this sermon. <laughs> that's, that's easy. Um, and you described unbelief as not necessarily the absence of belief, but uh, belief in something other than Christ. So yourself or another institution or whatever. Um, and this uh, particular passage was uh, when in Galilee, the official's son's sick, uh, son is very sick and uh, he's begging Jesus to heal his son. And Jesus replies, unless you people see miraculous uh, signs and wonders, you will never believe. Um, and I think it's a very telling response of how we believe. Um, like, I think we've all been there where it's, it's like a desperate belief. We we're like, we, we tried to believe in like, we wanted to believe that God is gonna do it, but in the back of our, our minds, um, you know, there's a little doubt, there's a little unbelief, um, but we don't have any other choice. And Jesus still heals his son exactly like he said he would at the exact time of day. And uh, Jesus still will do miracles, but um, it's just interesting to see uh, the official's side, like his belief is very human and very real in that like situation. And so that's just like one kind of shade in like the spectrum of unbelief. Um, and, the, and there's so many different stories, but I also, I was taken back to John 10. Um, the Pharisees are basically cornering Jesus, asking him to clarify like who he is, even though Jesus has said this like a million times. You'll see this where Jesus says exactly, he is the Messiah, he's the bread of life. He's um, like gonna do all these things and he's proved it. And there's still like from the Pharisees so much anger um, and like a hardening of heart. And um, so Jesus responds, sorry, just a second. I just really like this, this one. It's John 10, yes. Um, so he says, I did tell you who I am, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Um, and Ben, you preached uh, the sermon on this passage and kind of described the relationship between uh, shepherd and sheep and how uh, like the sheep can hear the shepherd uh, and know his voice so well that uh, even like the like softest voice, the sheep will come to him. And that's a, such a beautiful metaphor for what Jesus is asking for us to know his voice so well that um, we would hear it and we would come and find comfort in him. 
And that is also like overcoming a unbelief to get to that trust. Um, and so this was just another example of like, uh, I, could, I, I know people that are like the unbelief, it's so rooted that they're, they're angry, they're willing to stone Jesus. Um, I mean, eventually they do plot to murder him and they, and they succeed, but the beauty is that in all of these different stories, um, like Jesus still died on the cross and he like no matter where you were at in your unbelief it didn't matter like it didn't stop him from doing what he needed to do which is resurrecting and um, being born again and I think it was just I don't know a really beautiful theme that I took away from it so, That's fantastic Hannah. yeah That's great. yeah well said does anyone want to yeah, comment on anything, highlight anything that Hannah said, add to. Said it. It's really good. Let's go to the next question. Um, based on what we've learned in our study of John, what advice would you give to someone who's wanting to begin following Jesus? perhaps for the first time. Conversely, what would your advice be to someone who's been following Jesus for a while? So a friend, a family member, someone you'd like to say, hey, would you like to follow Jesus with me? I've never done it before. Okay, give me some advice. What's the first step? Or, you know, in a long time, but if I can encourage you, here, here's some advice to you. Um, Adam, you want to take it? Sure. Um. I'll use the microphone. Um, it's not like hugely complicated to follow Christ, uh, spend time with him, and uh, learn more about him. The, it's simple, not necessarily totally easy. The, uh, the whole uh, difficult to see, touch, and feel thing can make it kind of feel like you're talking to a wall at times. Um, but the, the simple truth is, is that the more you spend time with God, the more you realize that there is an entity there that loves you. And as your heart continues to be soft and as your mind continues to be more and more quiet, it'll become incredibly apparent that you are not alone and that you are loved and there's this God there that cares for you, very relational being. But spending time with God, it just means giving him, like, quieting down, sit down, and talking to him. Um, praying. What does praying mean? Um, it's a simple question, but it's something that even the disciples had to ask. And so I'll actually cheat. I'm going to talk Matthew. Um, Whoa. <laughs> but, you know, like the, the basic Lord's Prayer, which is, God, you're good. You're great. Um, you're worthy. That's how it begins. Like, let your kingdom be here. Let your will be done. And then just reading, like, God, help me. Give me what I need for my day. It's, and uh, please forgive me when I screw up. Um, please for help me forgive other people when they screw up, because I will and they will. Um, please help me stay clear of temptation and protect me from evil. And that's, that's really it. You just spend time with God, and you learn, you learn more about him. So it means reading the Bible. Um, read it. There's a big book. Um, if you really want something like fun, do the New Testament. It's kind of like learning about Jesus. If you want a good story, try Samuel. If you're having a hard time sleeping, give Leviticus a try. Um, like it's, 
it's just it's just kind of a bunch of stuff. And when you come up with questions, have a group of people. Join a small group, have some friends, so you can ask questions. You can show up and say, hey, I just discovered a book in the Bible that's kind of like softcore erotica. What's that all about? Um, and you can have these conversations with your friends. Um, like what, what book is that? We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. Uh-huh. Yeah. Talk to your wife about it. Um, yeah. yeah. You'll think about pomegranates differently for a while. The, um, at the, but the end of it, just spend time with God learn about him, read the Bible, ask questions. And, and, that's, and that's really it. And you will always be reminded that God loves you, God cares, and you're not alone, and he's real, and you will, you will feel it. That's super helpful. And what about the person who would say, I've been a Christian my whole life, so what do you got for me? What's, what's your advice? It's kind of the same. I was hoping you'd say that. Um, the, the only difference is when someone who has been doing it for a while, the question then is, um, you have you that loves God, you have friends that love God, and then you've got a God that loves both of you. That's your foundation. Now you need to build on that, and you need to do. You need to serve God. And so listen to him. Read the Bible, do what it says, make disciples, serve, um, move. And that will let you be complete in a way that you did not know was possible. It's, um, it, it's pretty impressive feeling. That's super good. Love it. Anyone want to comment on that? Any reflections? That's super helpful, right? <clears throat> I love that. Okay. Um, I'm going to take this question. We've all taken. We've, case, since the facade's been ruined, we've all been assigned questions. Do you want to No, no, I'll ask myself the question. Okay, in what way did you feel the most challenged throughout our journey in John? Or to use the language of scripture, what did faith and repentance look like for you? as we made our way through John together. Um, yeah, there was quite a few points, actually. You know, these points where you're, you're reading something or you're listening to Ben or Adam preach, and I'm like, or I'm listening to myself preach, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's really challenging. Like, I feel like God is, like, wanting me to, like, change a, a part of myself. He's wanting to, yeah, lead me to repentance. Um... The one that stood out to me for the sake of this question is John 12. It's the story uh, of a woman named Mary who had a sister named Martha and a brother named Lazarus. Lazarus was the guy who died and then Jesus brought him back to life. Epic story. Um, Lazarus was Mary's brother. Shortly after Jesus brought this man back to life, they had a dinner party. And we're told in John 12 that right in the middle of this dinner party, Mary gets out this really expensive jar of perfume, essentially, and begins to pour it on Jesus' feet and then wipe his feet with her hair. Um, which sounds kind of 
noble and cool, but if you really, and when I put myself there, I'm like, that's, that's um, extreme. That's extreme. Um, under any circumstances, but especially like in the first century, when you, you imagine like the, just what it meant to wash someone's feet with your hair. And so I've meditated over the years on this story. It's, it's told in the other gospel accounts as well, but it's this picture to me, this picture of uninhibited worship. She had met Jesus and experienced him in a way that compelled her to just pour everything she had out um, without any regard for pro social protocol or her own ego. She was just, she adored Jesus. To me, it's this beautiful, uh, controversial picture of worship. And that challenges me to the core because I, I tend to be a very practical person and I think God is, is actually quite practical. But at the heart of like following Jesus, it's, it's not a how-to manual on like just how to improve my life. And if I do this, then God will do this. And I can somehow sort of apply spiritual principles to improve my fill in the blank. I mean, there is that for sure. Um, like it's super helpful following Jesus. He actually helps me in very practical ways, but at the heart of it, God's not calling me to be like a better worker. He's inviting me into this very real relationship. And when you get close to like Jesus, you realize that you just want to worship him. He is so beautiful. He's so amazing. What he's done for me is so um, overwhelming that I think, I think the response, this is where I'm deeply challenged. The response is worship. And, um, and so, yeah, that's, I've been thinking about that for a long, long time. What about my life is this sort of beautiful, provocative, maybe even controversial sort of picture of just uninhibited, beautiful worship and expression of sheer adoration. Um, and I haven't got the answer because I reckon it's like different for everyone, but it, it challenges me like on a deep heart level. What does worship look like in my life? How am I, I pouring out? And is, is, yeah, has God really captured my heart in that way? Because I want him to. Like it's a good challenge for me. I don't feel like Jesus is just like waiting for me to like wipe his feet with my hair. You know, like, like get it right, Simon. Like, not at all, not at all. Your hair's short too, that'd be awkward. <laughs> yeah, that'd just be super awkward. <laughs> but it's more of like this invitation, like, like come and experience me in this way. Um, yeah, that's the challenge for me. You guys, any, any comments on that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, I, I got to uh, just tell people once again about our prayer room, hearing you talk. Um, so we have this space directly below the stage that can be accessed 24 hours a day. Are we calling it the boiler room? And I call it the boiler yeah, room. I think we, Simon that calls be official it the prayer closet. Because you used to I'm call right. it the prayer closet. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the boiler room, boiler room. is, the, boiler is room. the way to go. Yeah. yeah. But um, it's this uh, 
prayer space that you can access 24 hours a day through the code on the back door. If you want the code, we'll give it to you. Um, and, uh, and I've been going there since before we completed it. I've been praying in that room. And then since we've completed it, I've gone back several times. I know you have too, Simon. Others have. Um, and I often go into that space. Um, you know, I'll go late at night after um, a performance on my way home. I'll stop and, and I'll go to the prayer room. And I'll have things on my mind to like, I have things I want to ask for. I have things I really want to say I'm sorry for. I have all these like concerns on my mind. And those things are important. And I, I talk to Jesus about those things. But what I've been surprised by is most often my time in that space, and it's not that space, it's just time in the presence of Jesus. My unhurried time there um, turns into this, this experience of adoration. And so, so often I leave that space um, and my questions have not all been answered. I don't have, I don't totally understand what to do next on my various concerns but I leave uh, just with a real sense of adoration for my, my king and my, my Lord. And um, when you describe what Mary does, I'm like, yeah, I think I have experienced that in the prayer room a lot. The, sorry, the boiler room. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's been quite a surprise to me. So I just think um, maybe if, if you want a practical step. That's helpful. If, if, you, if you can't um, come to the building or don't, or you don't live close, like, don't worry. Find your own boiler room at home somewhere, um, a corner of your bedroom or a literal closet. <laughs> and go like, just like be with Jesus. Tell him what's on your heart and allow the spirit to um, bring you to that place of worship where you're just pouring yourself out in adoration. Yeah, that's wonderful. I wanted to add one final thing to that as well because you know, I'm listening to myself use all these, you know, sort of emotive words and I don't think that Jesus expects me to become this emotional person that I'm not. Um, it doesn't have to be that way. I think I, I'm, I feel that's important to qualify it because some of you, I think, maybe interpret what I'm saying as like, oh, I just have to be more emotional and, and figure out some way to work myself up into this emotional sort of state. And I don't, that's not the point at all. Um, I think we are all emotional to varying degrees. Um, but it really truly is just about like getting to that place where my, my heart belongs to Jesus and it's less about getting my questions answered as Ben helpfully pointed out and it's less about me just being more efficient you know with the things that I'm doing and it's about realizing that man Jesus wants um, he wants me to experience his presence his love in a way that does result in this life of adoration, this life of worship. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Okay, Casey, you ready for this one? What, me, I don't know what to say, yeah. Oh, okay, well, ready or not. I love this question, this is such a good question. What does walking this look like for you? The question is, as a man or a woman or a single person or a married person or a parent or a son or a daughter. So the question is about like you specifically as a woman, as a single person, as a daughter, as a friend, what does walking with Jesus look like for you? 
bit of a revisitation of the opening question, but now we're getting very specific. Go ahead. Yeah, um, so if you don't know me very well, um, I, for the most part, I'm a pretty even-keeled person unless you like bring up a specific to topic I'm like really passionate about. This is one of those things, and Karen is smiling at me because she knows this very well. Um, but when it comes to like identity, which is what this question really like strikes me, um, I think there are like two paths that we walk as humans. There's like the finding an identity in what like our society decides is important. So like I'm a dog mom, or I like to be outside, and I'm an outdoorsy person, or I am married and I like so love my husband, which is great. But like um, when we make one thing everything, it's so much farther away from what God calls us to, and. The season that I've been in over probably the past like two years or so has really been diving into like what is my God-given identity? What is the thing that he labels me as as he puts in front of me and says like, hey, this is actually Casey? Um, and it's so different because it's so much more like a culmination of all of those things in your life. Like I am a woman and I am currently single and I do own a dog and I do have friends and I have roommates and I work in mental health and I do all these different things. But it's not those individual things that I want to be known for, that God wants me to be known for. He wants me and us to be representations of where he's put us versus like the specific things we want to like glob onto and like take identity in. And for me, what like the sermon that I feel like, or the time in John that really spoke this out to me was when we covered John 15, one through 11, which in my version of cheating technically was when we were in the Abide series, not in the John series, but we were in John, so it counts. Um, but John Williamson, he did an amazing job kind of talking about in my opinion, identity in such a great way. But the line that really sticks out to me is like abide in him so that he can abide in you. And I think that that's what I've been trying to walk out for so long of like when I return to him every morning, like let me abide in who you are, let me proclaim who you are so you can remind me of who I am. Um, so for me, walking with Jesus right now has been letting him proclaim who I am and letting him reaffirm who I am as a leader um, by really resting in who he says I am, resting in who he is and where exactly he's placed me, um, which also happened to be in a book that I've been reading about leadership recently, which I think just like makes it all make sense. Um, tell us the book. <laughs> what was that? What's the book? <laughs> it's called The um, Seven Deadly Sins of Women in Leadership. Mm, juicy. Whoa. Have you finished the book? I have not finished okay, the so book. Okay, so you don't recommend it yet. I'm going to say I'm reading it with someone who has okay. finished it. Okay. She recommended me read it with okay. her. Um, also, just the like chapter breakdown page made me want to cry, so it's going to be a, a great journey. Um, but, yeah, so like that's where, yeah, that's what I got. That is good. Super good. Can I see all a few minutes of your time? Yeah, go for it, Adam. So what she said about abiding is just absolutely critical and it's something that's been difficult for me recently because I don't have time um, for people that are in a similar situation time is just like I've got like 45 to an hour of free time that I can call my own a day and the, and just remember that God doesn't ask you you know the, the woman who gives the penny God says 
that is an amazing offering. Give what you have. And so I like, I'll look at my clock, like, all right, the kids are in bed. It's 8 o'clock. I have two hours until um, I should be in bed, too. That's 120 minutes. I'm going to tithe my time. That means I'm getting God 12 minutes today. And, um, and that's just abide in him in the time that you have. And my wife and I have been doing that, and it's made a, a huge difference, even though it's just 12 minutes. Sometimes it's six. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's just one of, like what, what Casey was saying, is just spot on. Yeah, I think um, I wrote it down, and I have to look because I feel like it was decently important, and that's why I wrote it down. I was more prepared than I let on at the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, um, just like the thought of, just to kind of like go back to it for like a second, um, when you look at like your God-given identity and those things, like you, those things are what influences who you are as a person. And so like me being a woman, me being single, me having red hair, all these things influence the way I experience the world. And it is no way how Hannah experiences the world. And it's no way the way that Simon experiences the world. And it's no way that you do. Um, all of those things are still intrinsically and amazingly valuable. And, like, God placed you in that space for, like, a super great reason. And so it's just the other half of, like, really resting in who he has you be. It's also who he has you be right now. Um, and, yeah, so that was just the other thing. That's great. Thank you, Casey. Love it. Um, okay, Ben, you ready? As I'll ever be. You got ready for Ben. Okay. Um, <laughs> John's Gospel is an ancient text written to people living in an ancient world. We know this. If you could narrow it down to just a single thought, what do you think this gospel has to say to our people today, to the people of greater Portland, to Grace City, to our neighbors, to the skeptic? That's great. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think... um, I think... The people who are experiencing the story in the Gospel of John are really needy people. Um, they don't have a lot. They're, um, they're under the uh, tyrannical oppression of the Roman Empire. Um, they are in, in deep need of, of things like material necessities, of things like liberation, of things like peace. Um, they live in a very difficult world. Um, you know, I'm needy two in some different ways. Uh, I have enough to eat, thank God. Um, I, I'm not generally, um, you know, I don't get stopped by Roman centurions on my way to the grocery store and get made to do things I don't want to do, uh, thank God. But I have a lot of needs too, and my world can feel really difficult. Um, I, I can need peace too. I have uh, a lot of... Um, times when things feel like they're kind of rubbing up against each other in my relationships, or um, I, have, I have times when it feels like I just don't have enough of whatever resource, time, or energy, or, or whatever it is that, that I'm looking for. Um, I, I think uh, it's important for me as I come to the gospel to recognize my own neediness because um, otherwise I'm watching Jesus meet the needs of the people around him and not understanding that he wants to meet mine too. And if I had to like boil down 
following Jesus from the book of John, at least going through it this time around. I think John's probably the book in the Bible I've read the most out of any other book. Um, and especially like 13 through 17, chapters 13 through 17, I spent like a year just reading those few chapters over and over not long ago. And But this time around, I think what I've come to see most clearly is like the following Jesus is really about receiving. Um, somewhere along the way, uh, when I was very young, I picked up this idea that following Jesus was about turning in my spiritual report card every, at least every week, maybe every day. Um, and then Jesus looking at it and making corrections in a red pencil and telling me to do better next time. And I thought following Jesus was about doing better. This time around, I'm just really aware um, that Jesus is uh, generous. He's so ready to give. Uh, he starts off the book by making gallons and gallons and gallons of wine for somebody who's run out at their wedding party. He's generous. Um, he offers the Holy Spirit. In fact, when he first uh, gives, kind of reveals his identity as Israel's Messiah, he does it to this woman at the well in John chapter four. And he says to her, I, I want to give you living water. His first expression of the gospel in, in this book is to offer something to somebody. In John chapter seven, he's at the festival uh, in the temple and he stands up and says in a loud voice, is anybody thirsty? Come to me and drink. Whoever drinks from me, as the scriptures say, streams of living water will flow from within them. In John chapter 15, like we just heard, like he, he says, hey, you're the vine, <clears throat> I'm the vine, you're the, you're the branches. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. And it's this picture of like, I want you to receive from me, draw from me. And I think so often I'm uh, wondering what else Jesus wants from me. What else does he want me to do differently or do more of or do less of? What does Jesus want from me? And that's a, that's a decent question. That's an important question sometimes. But again and again, I'm reminded that um, the majority of my life with Jesus and the kind of the starting point every day for my life with Jesus is receive. He doesn't run out of resources. <laughs> he is not depleted by how much I take. He, he never, his, his incredible store of mercy, you know, the scriptures say he is rich in mercy and he never gets poorer by how much I take from him. Uh, I, I need so much. My life is not linear. It's very complicated. It's very confusing. It's very overwhelming sometimes. Um, and Jesus is standing there ready to, to offer everything I need. I think more and more my life with Jesus is just to receive what's on offer. Uh, not try to drum up the resources on my own, but um, receive from him. I think that's something that was very practically true for the people that followed him. They were just so needy that they, 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 were, so, they were needy to the point that they could see what he was offering, and that was really beautiful. And if I allow myself to understand my own need as well, then, um, then I can start to see all the things he's actually offering me. Um, I think that's my answer. It's okay. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so good. Oh, it makes me want to worship. It makes me want to worship Jesus. Um, thank you, Ben. Wow, we did like pretty much perfect on time. Shall we, um, we've got, 
Time pending, we were gonna do a final bonus question. Lightning round, if you will. So, you guys ready? Let's go, let's go Ben, Hannah, we'll go in reverse order, shall we? Um, favorite verse in John, and why? John 17, three, mm -hmm. Jesus says, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And this is like, that is life, that is eternal life, is knowing, like loving intimacy with Jesus. Brilliant. Hannah? Uh, mine is John 14, 27. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And it's just something that, you know, it's, it's a great prayer to pray every day. Do not be afraid. Love it. I don't know where specifically it is, but this is my answer. Um, the story where it's like the adulterous woman is like, draw, like drawn out into like this, all the things, but there's a specific line that Jesus says where it's like, like those who are without sin can do this thing that they want to do. And every time I read it, I'm just kind of like, oh yeah, like that's not, like it, sin isn't something that like isolates certain people out. It's something that like we all experience. And so it's, I don't know, something about that makes it feel less like, I don't know if lonely is the right word, but like, yeah, that's what I got. That's great. Thanks guys, Adam. Um, it's when uh, Peter responds to where would we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And that's just always been really cool. Mine is John 737. Anyone who thirsts, let him come to me and drink. For all the reasons that Ben elaborated on. I love that Jesus invites us not to join his sort of workforce, but to receive from him. And he's happy to, uh, to quench my thirst, like the deepest thirst of my soul. Jesus says, come, come to me. That's it, guys. Shall we do it again? Um, can I invite the worship team? Can we give these guys a hand, please? We're going to close um, in sung worship. And um, I'm so glad that Ben mentioned the boiler room downstairs. So um, I don't think you mentioned this fact, but the, it literally was our boiler room. So when we purchased this building just before... Uh, there was a massive, ancient oil, like, I don't know, a diesel fuel, or, it was an oil furnace, a boiler in the boiler room. In fact, there's still a little plaque on the door. I think it says boiler room, if I'm not mistaken. Anyways, we took the boiler out. It was huge. We had to, like, cut it into parts with a plasma cutter. And we thought, what are we going to do with this space? I know. Let's, let's make this our prayer room, and we'll call it the boiler room because it's at the heart of our, of our life as a church family. Um, I would like to invite every one of you to make your way down to the boiler room before you leave this morning. You will love it. It's, it's my new favorite space in the building. This is how you get here. There. Um, it's virtually like in this bottom corner of the building. So if you go downstairs and make your way to the bathrooms, 
um, this, we've got two bathrooms and there's like a little bathroom foyer. So you go in there, the bathroom here, bathroom here, and then a janitor's closet immediately to your left. Go into the janitor's closet and you will find the boiler room. That's all I need to say. There's a dish full of chalk. Grab a piece of chalk, write favorite verse from John, uh, write something that God has just put on your heart, write a prayer, write a poem, draw a picture, whatever the Lord puts on your heart, because one entire wall is just a big chalkboard wall, and it's our, it's our graffiti wall, our, our prayer graffiti wall, if you will. And I would love for, at the very least, go down and check out our boiler room. And um, yeah, feel free to pray while you're there. Can we stand together, please? Can you strum? Go ahead, strum. Thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you for this incredible journey that we've been on as we've been walking with you learning more about your great mercy, your love, your power, your holiness, your faithfulness. Oh Jesus, we long for your return. I'm looking forward to your return. Lord, would you help us to um, learn how to receive from you more? We are needy. There's no shame in it. We need you, Lord Jesus. We need more of you in our lives. We need more of your power, your love. Would you pour your love into our hearts afresh this morning by your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Let's worship.